Yeah. <laughs> what you sipping on, Lulu London? This early in the morning in London. That's perfect, perfect. Hey, what's good? What's good? What's going on, Chrissy? You Hello. Little sideways. <laughs> Let me unsideways myself. Hold yeah. on a sec. Maybe this will work. Uh, right now I'm vibing to uh, I Don't Want to Lose You, uh, Girls of the Internet edit. Oh, nice. Yeah, off of your uh, Sad Bangers playlist. Oh, thanks. Nice, man. Yes. Yeah, they've done a lot of good stuff. I've, I've, they've had a few tracks come out um, in the last year or two that I've been really impressed by. Absolutely. Absolutely. How are you doing? I mean, how's anybody doing right now? I'm, oh. I'm doing as well as possible, considering. Absolutely. Let me, let me turn you up a little bit. I got I to gotta hear you in all your full glory. Okay, cool. And you're in the Bay, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in San Francisco. Let me actually crank you up a little bit, too. Hold on. There we go. Yeah, how, how's the, uh, the air up there? I mean, I know it's been a while since the wildfires, but... It's good now. It's good yeah. now. Um, we had a little bit of rain, and it kind of cleared out. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely the hardest part, was having it be like we'd already been at home for six months, and then it got like you know, 90 or 100 degrees, and you couldn't, like, leave the house um, just because the air quality was so bad. There was probably a month and a half where I barely left, like, even to go on walks just because the, the air quality was so bad. So um, it's better now, and that's definitely, I'm, like, so thankful that I can go on a bike ride again, go yes. like, walk around the block even. No, I, I understand. I understand. Um Oh, you there? It looks like a signal might have dropped just a little bit. Okay, let me actually mess signal. Okay, okay, okay. All right. I, I can't hear you uh, yet. Say something. Hello? Can you hear All me? All right, we're back. <laughs> okay. Okay, hey, we're back. You know yeah, what? I don't know what happened. It like kicked me out for some reason. When I used to throw parties, we always had this saying that um, your party wasn't going to hit if something didn't go wrong at the beginning. <laughs> if it went yeah. to in the setup, it probably wasn't going to hit. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember a party, this would have been probably 12 or 15 years ago in Chicago, in Pilsen. Okay. And it was some little sound system, you know, like two little PV speakers and a, and a sub. And just in the first 20 minutes, it yeah. just overheated <laughs> and just gone. And somebody had an air horn at this party. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you if you have like an air horn or something like that with the compressed air in it and you turn it upside down and spray it, yeah. all the cold air comes out and it like comes out so fast and so cold that it like can burn your hand even from the cold, you know? I had no idea. 
Yeah, it's, it's if you turn it upside down. I think it's the same for like, uh, you know, like doing whippets out of a out of a whipped cream can, you know, like, and so um, we took this air horn and we turned it upside down to spray all the like compressed air out of it. And, you yeah. know, and we just sprayed it on the backs of the speakers to cool the speakers down enough that they wow. would fit back on. And so like, every 20 minutes we just the sound would cut out and we have to upside down air horn the back of the speakers to get them to cut back on and then you know play another like three or four tracks <laughs> yeah like this, it was yeah so you know maybe this this might be like that that's you know what though that's iconic um and that definitely confirms you know one of my uh personal analogies that I always or anecdotes that I always offer is, is that djs are like you know, the scientists or um, at minimum, you know, the technicians of the music industry, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, engineers, engineers are scientists as well. Like, you know, there's a few different technical roles, but I mean, in terms of uh, the ability to, um, for one, to do, to do what you do with music um, and to, you know, basically learn the vast array of music catalog that music, um, be able to reference it based on what's happening at a given moment in time. Uh, you know, that actual skill set and then being able to go out on the road and, you know, bust down a, uh, <laughs> a aerosol can and, you know, yeah. cool off a speaker. Like, <laughs> you don't have anybody else to blame. I feel like if you're in a band and everything cuts out, yeah. And then, like there's some like the sound guy in the back of the house. Everybody's gonna turn around and be like, "Yo, what the fuck?" But yeah. if you're the DJ, like you are the person that they will blame if anything goes wrong. And so that okay. pressure does kind of make you have to learn how to, <laughs> yeah, think on your toes and, and fix something on the fly. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. So tell me this: What are you sipping on, man? Um. I just have some some lemon ginger tea. Mm. So um, I, it's literally just like I cut up some fresh ginger and a lemon. Okay. Threw it in a in a cup with some hot water and a little bit of honey. It's okay. Pretty pretty basic, but very very refreshing. It, Good like late night. Job done. <laughs> ginger but, works. I'm a big ginger fan. I I figure out a way to incorporate ginger into damn near everything. It's so I, good. It's I so do. good. Yeah. What you got over there? What you, what you drink? I have got um, some Mikey tea. Oh, nice. A blend. It's a green tea blend um, by my uh, my bro, DJ Mike Nasty, um, out of Brooklyn by way of the A. And uh, I am sipping out of a mug from one of my favorite little uh, coffee shops in Los Angeles, Hilltop. It's oh, back, nice. but, you know, that's how camera lenses work. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where is that? Where are Los Angeles? Are in. So yeah, you know, just uh, getting really warm. Um, it's funny because, um, you know, I presented as tea or like if I'm, you know, doing something. I did one in the afternoon with Mark Farina. Uh, afternoon out here, it was later out there. But, um, and so I had coffee then. Um, but usually it's like um, Junior Brown, he's got like ice water in Edmonton. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> Culturally, <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, we, we actually matched on the tee uh, tonight. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. Yes, yes. 
why would if I lived in Edmonton, if I lived in Alberta, period, you uh, you would never catch me drinking ice, nothing. It's just I don't understand it. I mean, you know, I know you used to live in Chicago and now you live in Los Angeles. So and look, if you're kind I, of the same as me, probably like trying never to be cold again. As long exactly. as you're not, I'm just I'm over it. I'm retired from being cold. I try and tell people people don't understand this concept. They do not understand this concept. They're like, but you spent all your life in Chicago then you went to Brooklyn. I'm like, listen, there is a reason why I'm here. And it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, um, so a perfect example is coffee, right? Um, I am probably one of the rare people who like didn't have coffee until, I don't know, like late 20s. Okay. Um, reasons why, you know, a little bit of, of you know, PTSD, hood trauma associated with it. Um, in short, I associated coffee with cigarette smokers and I associated cigarette smokers with addicts that I grew up around. And so, okay. Um, I just was just avoid coffee like the plague. Okay. So, um, did you avoid I, cigarettes? What'd you say? Did you avoid cigarettes? I avoid cigarettes. Okay. Not, um, yeah, no, actually, no, no, truth, truth, actually, literally, pretty much no tobacco, the occasional cigar and celebratory moments, the occasional black, uh, at, at points in my life, but, um, lots of, um, allegedly lots of, uh, you know, medicinal things. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> Tylenol, you know, ibuprofen. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the uh I just never drank coffee, right? When I finally discovered coffee was when I started dating, you know, my wife when, you know, she's my fiance. And basically I had this epiphany of well, not even dating. I mean I she she put me onto the actual scientific like you know, what caffeine actually does, how it works, what it suppresses, what it, you know, boosts. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this sounds like the greatest thing on earth. And so that was something that I preserved until marriage was drinking coffee. You were saving I, yourself for marriage. I literally okay. saved my first sip of coffee until I was a married man. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, once you start, you you know, something something like that, right? And I, I to bring this back to the warm weather. Once you hit on something like that, you never go back. You never yeah, go yeah. I'm 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 moving out here, I got so soft so quick and I yeah. can't even handle cold weather anymore. I'm such a wimp about it. Like I like to go visit it for a few days. Like I'm down to go be somewhere for a week and pull my coat out of the closet and feel like I'm, you know, playing dress up. But um yeah, I I think I'm just too weak and wimpy and soft to <laughs> move back somewhere and, and have a Chicago style winter again. Yeah. I, I don't think I could handle. And I used to, you know, I don't have a car. I ride a bicycle everywhere. I used to ride Whoa. a bicycle everywhere in Chicago, Illinois, in just the dead of February. Whoa. I mean, like all these different layers, you know, I'd look like the yeah. marshmallow man, eight the hoodie, the bubble vest, and, <laughs> Scarf. and hoodie and scarf and take me 15 minutes to take it all off when I get yeah. inside somewhere you know you go in the building and it's so long taking your stuff off that you're all sweaty by the time you get off did and um, I don't know how I did it I don't, did your glasses fog oh yeah all the time like comically so like I just couldn't it was really good preparation for 
COVID actually, because now I have all mm. the like glasses fog, like secret maintenance techniques. Yeah. Know, my glasses never fog up with the mask now. <laughs> and I see other people that are all like, you know, fog running into shit. But um, you're like, you're new to this. Exactly, right? <laughs> you know, welcome to the club. But uh, yeah, it was. I couldn't do it now. Maybe it's because I'm older too. I don't know. Yeah, that that part too. Drink to that. Yeah, my joints. It's get when it's like about to rain. I can tell because like my knees and shit. That's fact. Oh, yeah, that is a scientific fact. <laughs> Reese said that Hulk might take your life now. That yes, it might. It might. Many a life has been taken by the Hulk. Haha, <laughs> 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 even the so uh, yeah, gramophone. Shout out gramophone. Um, Oh, oh, I miss that place. Maybe a road trip to Gramophone as a high schooler. Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite record store in Chicago? Can you well for this answer? What what's that? Will you get like in trouble with anybody for this answer? No. Okay. No. Um. Actually, okay. So I lived the last apartment I had there before I moved. I lived less than a mile from Gramophone. Yeah. And so I was there just all the time, you know. Um. And not having a car, it was like pretty difficult for me to get down to like Mr. Peabody's back when they were around or, you know, Beverly or any of, any of the stores down on the south side, Hot Jams. Um, and so those were places that I was only able to go when I could trick a friend into driving me there, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Gramophone was just the one in my neighborhood that was the one I, I was at probably the most often. So, you know, I'd, I'd have to say gramophone. Word, word, word. For me, it was um, it was Dr. Wax. Uh, that was a good one. And they had a few of them. They had a few of them. Yep. Yeah. I parked Dr. Wax. I was a South Side. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, I they probably got sick of seeing me in there. I was just always in there either for vinyl. Because I actually started out DJing. So I was I was. DJing on a uh, really, really, really trash Newmark belt drives. I don't know what TT100 or something foolish like that. Uh, back in like '99, 2000, yeah. I like graduated <laughs> over time um, and just kind of upgraded my gear. But like that's where I started, and so I was like that kid that was in there every Friday with like you know whatever little money I had, basically on yeah. underground mix CDs or like. Um, you know, vinyl, basically, whatever, whatever I get my hands on, you know? Yeah, yeah. I had the, the Gemini turntable. I had okay. one of the Gemini turntables, and then this, like, belt drive audio technica that was my mom's that I, like, <laughs> stuck away. And, um, yeah, and same, gradually, like, upgraded to yeah. something that you can, you know, do something with. Um, but so before I lived in Chicago, I grew up in Kansas City. So most of my, um, you know, like teenage, like learning to DJ kind of record store experiences were more in Kansas City, wow. um, which had a couple of, I mean, had a really, really good record store at that point that, you know, it doesn't exist anymore, but was just like huge. Um, and I feel like, you know, every city, like record shopping is different in every mm -hmm. city. And Kansas City was, um, it, it was this place where so much stuff was coming through. Mm. Um, 
I think it, by the time that I was growing up there, it was not as, um, as cool as it had been previously, maybe. And so it was a place where there was a lot of stuff there, but not a lot of people my age cared about it. So I didn't have a lot of competition, like crate digging, you know? Um, so, so there wasn't the volume that there was in Chicago, but there also every other person who was gonna maybe buy this record, like I knew them and I knew who they, they were. There was no like mystery, like people coming through. Um, right. so, you know, I, I, was, I was able to find a lot. I mean, it was crazy, especially like things, you know, a little bit older, like Italo disco and Canadian yeah. disco and, you know, Philly stuff and all that was just so easy to find there. Um, okay. But, yeah, that was kind of my growing up. And then I was in my 20s when I moved to Chicago. And, okay. you know, Gramophone, just because they were so close to me and because I, I knew so many people who worked there was, you know, a great place to waste time and money. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Were you, when you uh, grew up in Kansas City, was that on the, on the Kansas side or the uh, Missouri side? So I was born in Kansas, but grew up on the Missouri side. Got it, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's up, Sam? I'm brought in the building. Cool, cool. Yeah, I uh, I actually went to Missouri when I left Chicago. Um, I yeah, Chicago. you lived in St. Louis for a minute, didn't you? St. Louis, yeah. Where in St. Louis were you? Um, so St. Louis, I was there from 2002 to 2006. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I actually had a... a just a, a lot of just kind of interesting musical moments. It's funny, that was a, a always, I joked that that was kind of like my gap years, um, you know, as a <laughs> as a musician. It really was just because like school was hard as hell. But uh, when I started out out there, so I started out out there um, getting into like battle rap, um, like okay. a, a rap scene. And so there's a lot of guys who I still know from that era, like uh, DJ Trackstar, who's, uh, we run the jewels and um, like uh, Tef Poe uh, is an MC you might you, you may or may not have heard of. Um, one of my good brothers is still doing some dope stuff to this day. Um, Trackstar actually was the first DJ to take me to like he like I was a freshman on campus and he was just like all right so I heard you rap at the uh, radio station you coming with me like we do these battles it was like you know. You know, similar, you know, to anything that you would have seen in, I don't know, like an eight mile or something like that. Like, they, they took like an old, you know, mansion or something somewhere and it basically turned it into a party spot where like battles would go down. Mm -hmm. um, Central West End of St. Louis. And so, um, yeah, like that's kind of where I started um, in the city. And then I ended up honestly leaning more into DJing to like basically like pay rent uh, for the rest of my time okay. there. And I kind of fell back from being a writer and then ended up selling, well, not technically selling, right? Leaving my gear behind instead of paying rent when, <laughs> when I moved out of Missouri <laughs> uh -huh. to settle a debt, <laughs> settle the score. I know, how that, I know how that goes, yeah. You know, and then I became a rapper full time. <laughs> but um, not like full time career, but I mean, in terms of splitting the Yeah, difference. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like without the you equipment. You don't have the gear anymore. You got to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the one thing I'll say about Craig Diggin in Missouri was that, so what I would do was go to the music library at colleges. Okay. 
So St. Louis has a ton of colleges. I went to Washington University. And oh, so, you went to Washington? Okay. Yeah. Their, um, their music libraries literally looks like a cottage in the woods that like, you know, little Disney birds like fly around with like uh -huh. the ribbons in their mouth and stuff, right? Um, and, but it's just this big hall and, you know, books, you know, in a certain section. And then there's just a vinyl section. Wow. And they were selling vinyl for like 10 cents and 25 cents. Wow. Okay. And, and it was on everything. Like there were, there were. It wasn't like you know, some stuff is ten dollars because this is more valuable than others. It was like in that same thing, I would find like an AFL CIO like Chance record, and then like a Rick James record, all for twenty five cents. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh huh. A lot of sampling that you know went down at uh, when I was in you know in school. <laughs> a lot of sampling. Uh -huh. That's, that's when I actually got into beats heavily then. Um, and that kind of carried on into my hip hop career um, and didn't really kind of phase out until like parenthood, basically. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, those kind of sales, when, when those institutions were like shedding their vinyl catalogs in mm -hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s. Yep. Oh, I, I, I caught a few of them and I wish. Like, if the internet had existed back then enough for there have, to have been, like, a directory of when all those events would have happened, like, oh, oh my gosh, it would have been game over. I just, yeah, there's so much that I'm sure I missed. Yeah. Just from the few that I caught and how amazing those, like, you know, fire sale, we're getting rid of our, you know, 60 years of vinyl library yep. type of events were. But I'll tell you my other cheat code. Small mm -hmm. town goodwill. <laughs> yeah, I bet. bet. Yep. Small town goodwill. Anytime that, you know, me and my wife have gone on a trip, like if we go to like a trip in like a, like a major city and we were driving, then we would like basically drive outside of that. So like we went to Boston to see like a Beyonce show um, and then drove out to Worcester to, uh, you know, shop at a goodwill basically. Uh -huh. And so that's something that we always do. And it can be, I mean, you know, it, Sometimes we're, we're, we're literally getting, you know, clothes, you know, sometimes we're getting, it, it depends, like just whatever we find. But I've never not found good vinyl for like a dollar. Yeah, there's, there's bargains for sure. And, yeah. it, and it's interesting to see how it changes um, region by region. I feel mm -hmm. like um, no matter what Goodwill you're at, like 70% of it is going to be like, old easy listening and like really beat up gospel records but yep. um the other you know chunk of it it's really interesting to see how it changes from place to place and, and mm -hmm. you really can tell a lot about the the local music scene and uh, of that specific geographical place by the by the things that get left at goodwill or wash up in, in used stores you know yeah it's, that's always been interesting to me, like the city by city kind of geography of, of local music scenes. What did you study in school? Um, so I studied to be a history teacher, but then realized that I hated being around kids and waking up early. <laughs> and so that didn't really didn't really turn into a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but that's, yeah, that's what I studied, you know. 
I, um, yeah, that, so I didn't know that, but I knew that. Um, because it's one of the other things that I find interesting, um, you know, about you. Like, I first happened upon you, I think, via, like, I think you were doing, like, a, I don't know, like, a Twitter expose on, like, Tracks Records or something like that. <laughs> and, okay. you know. I know, I know the one you're talking about. And yeah. funny story, that doesn't exist anymore because a certain person who shall remain nameless. Allegedly. Uh, <laughs> like me talking about her and somehow got it took down off of uh, Twitter. So that's, wow. that's a thing. <laughs> wow. So so they came for you. That's deep. Yeah, she sent her uh, husband, <laughs> the, the patent lawyer guy, uh, the guy who tried to uh, trademark the word juke so that no one else could use it. Um yeah, I guess I guess he uh, hit up Twitter and they, they shut it down. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. No, I got public enemy number one up in here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. This will probably get took down just because I mentioned the other one getting right? took down in this. Right. <laughs> so sorry in advance about that. But anyway, uh, well, yeah, what is this? One of my uh, okay, what's up? One of my boys, Blair, just uh, popped in. Can't stay up this late to get you on our show, bro. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cosmic Love, you she was in uh, one of the shows that we had a couple of nights ago. What's up? What's up? Um, so yeah, no, that's that's so to the Twitter thread. <laughs> when I saw that, I immediately said, This person is interesting as hell. I can absolutely tell that, I can tell that, like you're a cataloger. I can tell that you're an archiver. I can tell that, you know, it's like once you, you, you find like a thread, you're like, I'm going to pull this thread until the sweater is gone. Um, yeah. And I figured that out just from the feed. And the reason why I was able to, to, to see that is because I'm the same way. Nice, nice. <laughs> I feel like uh, any like really successful DJ either has to be like a little bit of that like obsessive let's go down the rabbit hole and catalog everything and tell the story or they're like the total opposite like savant doesn't think about anything just like yeah. in this weird like commune with the music that i can't really understand you know like I've, I've, everybody i've met who's like a really amazing dj is either one of those two extremes i feel like. absolutely yeah. absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, no, I just, I, I see, and then I, you know, I started looking up, up your stuff, and it's like, you know, a, a, a year of mixtapes, a year of edits. I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's, there's a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so, definitely, like, um, obsessive-compulsive disorder that would have probably screwed my life up if I hadn't found an outlet for it, <laughs> like, turn it into a hobby and a job. Yo, so, say that uh, one more time. Oh, yeah. man, that is absolutely me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm that guy that had, like, 50,000 MP3s and, and took the time to organize them, you know, like, by name, by, you know, album, all of the tags, all of that. Like, oh uh, right now, like, 100 playlists, you know, organizing my music into moods, you know, for different parts of my day. Like, yeah, so I totally relate to... What I was was a ticket. Um, I can't remember who it was. I was doing a back to back with somebody, 
Yeah. And this was a this was maybe ten years ago or something. This was a long time ago because it was Serato. Okay. Yeah. And dude plugged his Bad drive into my computer and we're you know so he can see my whole library and I can see his whole library. And everything in his library, nothing had artist names on it, and everything like the titles were all like, you know all out of sync and confusing and like you know like some of them were all like lowercase and other ones were just like all caps or it was the artist name where the title should be and i just had i couldn't find anything like in his library it just made no sense to me and it was like i realized like this is stressing me out i don't even have to deal with his library like it's a back-to-back -back. i'm not playing his stuff but just seeing his library is like stressing me out a little bit. I was going to say, how bad did you judge? <laughs> and I was just like, what is wrong? I judged myself. I was like, what is wrong with me that I care? You know? Like, yeah. It's like, I just felt stupid for even, like, letting it get to me. But it, it for real, like, got to me a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I'm definitely one of those, like, organizer types. You should see my record box library right now. After COVID, I have nothing to do but to just <laughs> organize. It's, like, all, like, tagged by year and has all the different okay. tags on it. And, you know, like, you can, oh, oh, it's great. It feels great. Look, this this is how I know that that people and frequencies all work, you know, synchronized and, 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 and aligned. So my my wife just got a master's in library science. Oh, nice. So she, her, her specialty was digital, like basically uh, being a digital librarian. And so like metadata and how to change the metadata to actually get more accurate, more deep into, you know, what you're researching and more so for cultural, you know, uh, for, for, for cultural purposes. Um, Where is she? I want to talk to her. I know, right? She, she's way <laughs> cooler than me, by the way. She sleep. She's smarter than me, too. Oh, <laughs> she's sleep. No, That's where but I went wrong. I should have. Yeah, I, I should be more like that too. I know. But anyway, so continue. But, um, Sorry. No, what I was gonna say, um, our kids like argue over things like when, what year a show like one of their Netflix cartoons came out, and then how old the show must be, or like what what song, which version of a song came out first. Like they're looking at metadata already, and. <laughs> Pro and especially since the pandemic, right? So, yeah, that's you amazing. know, um, how would you say that that, I guess that, um, that the, since that's how you, how you, what makes you tick, how would you say that impacts your artistry? Well, um, that's a good question. I mean, unfortunately, probably the biggest way that it influences it is the moment I make a track, I'm like, oh, this is like a bullshit ripoff of three other tracks. But, you know, like, it, it definitely, um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm good at, like, making those connections between different things. And so mm -hmm. I'm maybe too aware of yeah. how my music that I've written is uh, influenced by, inspired by, slash... Yeah directly copies, um, <laughs> you know, whatever, I mean, uh, whatever I like, you know. And right. So, um, yeah, sometimes I wish I had a little less, like, immediate awareness of that. Yep. Like, if it came out and a few months later, I was like, oh, that's a bullshit ripoff of whatever, then maybe I'd, like, you know, be happier in my life. But, um, 
I don't know. I'm being I'm being too hard on myself. I, I so hard. <laughs> you know. You know. I, I still feel like I mean, I, it's it's dance music. It's all kind of you know a regurgitation of something. As all the music culture is like recycling and recombining things in clever new ways. So I'm not like yes, you know sorry. I don't think my bullshit ripoffs are any worse than anybody else's bullshit ripoffs. Don't get right. me wrong. And you know, um, but yeah, I, I feel like that kind of being aware of like the connections between things, it kind of makes, I think, I hope it makes my DJing better and makes me able to kind of juxtapose different genres or, or you know, throwing curveballs that maybe don't make sense on a genre or a tempo level, but still like make yeah. sense because of some other, you know, connective tissue between these tracks. So, um, yeah. That's kind of the, the first that comes to mind about how it informs like my, my creative process. Hey, do not beat yourself up about that, man. Please do not. Um, that it's just, I mean, it's not brain surgery. It doesn't really yeah. matter at the end of the day. No one's going to live or die because I made like a banger or not a banger, you know? Hey, so man, not, somebody I'm will though. Don't give yourself more credit, bro. Somebody <laughs> will. I'm, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> Art is important, and I think art really yeah. is important. I think what we do is important, but it is not walking on the moon. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not that I don't give myself credit, but I, I do feel like having an ego about it. You know, like when I see yeah. DJs who, like, are so in themselves, you know, it's like there are, like, oncologists and like surgeons and stuff who like you know literally cure people's cancer and keep them alive and you know people Absolutely. who deliver babies and stuff like this and literally we play in clubs to sell alcohol to people Ooh. and so i mean and it's important and art's important and making people happy is important yes but at the same time like let's let's you realize know where we are in the grand scheme of things and you know not so this is this is where i'm coming at you from i'm not i got that put down my work or myself or my peers or other DJs. Yeah. I'm just trying to be realistic about, yeah. you know, the thing that I love and I think is important and valuable, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's party music. No, I, I that I, uh, so I look at that two ways, right? Mm -hmm. I am absolutely, um, I feel very practically about, you know, music and about my music at times you know one of the things that i always ask myself when i create something is like do people need this or i always think about it from a perspective of like what what need does it feel like or what yeah. or so the function what's the function what, of this art I, yes i agree completely especially with dance music or something that's you know i hate to use the term dj tools or whatever yeah but especially with dance music what is the function of the, you know, it's not like a painting. Yeah. It's like a really pretty chair. You know, yeah. it can be art, but can you sit on it? You know. So that, um, and I and I'll shout out to Sean Desmond. He said that you can save somebody's life with a record for real. I absolutely have. So few perspectives on this. I have some friends who can definitely say that like there are songs that kept them from you know. Absolutely. Uh, doing some, from, from doing harm to themselves, simply put, yeah. just, you know, be honest about it. And then I also know the kind of lifeline and connection that I've been, like, blessed to have with people just through, like, you know, my songwriting 
And it's not to say that like I'm in no way one of these people who's like, you know, my words are like moving mountains and all of this kind of stuff. Like I'm very practical about what I write, but then I'm oftentimes humbled then by how people process what I write. You know what I mean? And how they apply it to their world. And then, you know, that takes on its own life. And so that is something that I'll say about art that I have kind of learned in my own journey is that, you know, what allows me to make art from a practical place is that I think about the fact that once I release it, somebody could take it as literally the most important thing in the world or somebody can take it as absolute rubbish. Yeah. And I have no, also, or can take it and say it means something destructive that I, you know, had, you know, was just completely told that point. So, yeah. you know, I have to, like, I, I approach what I create from that perspective. And then I think, at least I hope that that at least keeps me, you know, doing things and saying things and, you know, just conscious about making impactful things. You know what I mean? And also, I think in addition to that, um, even on a more diffuse or abstract um, or, or, you know, pulled back level, um, the art... You know, you talk about art that saves people's lives and, and people who are, are moved by a specific piece of art that keeps them from doing something bad or keeps something bad from happening in their lives. And I think even more broadly than that, there are communities that coalesce around different types of art, different genres, yep. where even if your specific song or album, you know, or, or my specific song or album isn't having that direct effect, the existence of that community is like absolutely saving people's lives. And I think yeah. that there, there are pockets of house music, especially when you start to talk about um, pockets of the community that serve underserved people or marginalized yeah. people or people who, you know, don't have a, a home life that yep. is is keeping who, them safe and healthy. Or people who aren't accepted at home, yeah. 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 And, and, and I think that that community, you know, even if, you know, a track that I make isn't um, directly, you know, saving lives or something, um, if I can participate in that community through art. Yes. Um, Yes. And that really, you know, and, and that's kind of always been like, you know, an important metric for me with, with taking gigs because there are parties that I've played at that have felt like unsafe and, and, yeah. and shady and just like, I don't enjoy being here and I wouldn't want to invite my friends here and I don't. I don't know why I'm here, you know, and then other parties that have really felt like a family and a, and a yep. community and an, an important kind of uh, experience for everybody in that. And, and so a big part of like me playing gigs, because I don't want to just be like a glorified liquor salesman, you know, I want to yep. do something that, that feels like it has meaning. And I think a big part of, of, as I've gotten older, what gigs I take and what gigs I don't take really boils down to like, what community does this serve? Are people going to feel comfortable at this? Uh, mm. are, you know, are people going to be 
safe and happy at this event? You know, what, what does this contribute to the community or the, or the world, you know? And so, um, yeah, definitely I talk glibly about dance music and about, about this kind of art, but I, I don't mean to, to pretend like it has no value or it doesn't have, you know, transformative power. Cause I mean, yeah. No, all day, man. I, um, I mean, when I, you know, and, and not to, to kind of pour over that too, too much more, um, but when I think about, you know, again, just the processes that go oftentimes like into, we got some questions coming up, perfect. They go into, you know, my songwriting process. It's like, I am oftentimes trying to, you know, I'm, I'm using that, that, that OCD kind of historian edge to like, okay, based on this tempo, based upon, you know, this, these chords, and then based upon like what scene I see, mm -hmm. I am going to like take a reference point from, you know, from Gil, from Moody Man, from, you know, I'm just gonna pull reference points from here, you know, all these different things to create exactly what I believe, you know, what environment I believe, you know, somebody yeah. sh should feel, will, you know, just that, that type of care and attention to detail. Um, it's in, it's in the atmosphere, it's in, you know, things like, again, the things that seem the most trivial, right? But like your ad-libs, um, you know, the, the, the way that I phrase something, you know, when I'm mumbling before I really get into what I'm about to say, things like that. I mean, literally just to establish a certain ambiance and a certain feeling and to put you in a certain place. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's the care, at least that I apply to it. You know, I hope that people get that. <laughs> when yeah. they <laughs> But you know, it, it's—I don't know, man. It's—it's—it's it, it's, it's a part of my process, and it's a part of why I think I have always enjoyed. You know, there's just the thing that you were speaking of. You know, really being again, just kind of a like a chemist of sorts. You know, in your creative process, and you know, being able to put two things that shouldn't go together together, um, yeah. and make them work. Um, I remember one night in the Funky Buddha, probably I don't know, 15 years ago, like hearing I forgot about funky buddha lounge wow right right it's like here right um, now or something i'm not sure what it is are you now. serious i, I think I it was Chicago. for a minute i'm not yeah, sure if wow. it still is man no I, I was i remember being in there and listening to like mano play everything she wants by wham in a house set and i was like oh and, yeah, and, and and now it's it's like because of that moment and just kind of seeing what happened on the floor, like I will always associate that song with a certain depth. Mm -hmm. That I'm sure the average person who hears it is like, "Yo, this pretentious ass lyric," like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> George Michael, though I have to. I mean, George Michael was just amazing. Every yes, George, oh my gosh, yes, George Michael, yes, yes. absolutely. No, all day, all day. I, I, I um, I have a very fond appreciation for George Michael, and honestly, like I said, for Wham. Now, like I had to go back and revisit Wham. You know, probably years in there years ago to be like, wait a minute, what was actually happening on this production? This was w way more soulful than I than I you know, way more soulful than Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. Yeah, <laughs> you feel me? They're definitely one of those groups that. Like the one hit they had, like kind of 
ruined their reputation you know like I mean, not that they only had one hit but that, that's the one everybody remembers the one everybody yeah. knows and it's definitely uh not their strongest <laughs> <laughs> no facts i got a question coming in um what do you gentlemen think about actually actually no before i said i want to share this shout out speaking of uh people being touched um you may not remember me depaul theater school front desk just found you and i'm loving your music and energy who, who is this person? Uh, what's, what's Marcielo Rios. Oh my gosh! I do, I do remember her. Oh my, oh, how are you? Oh, what's oh happening? We're wow. making connections. <laughs> and then we got another question. What do you gentlemen think about mixing in key versus playing by ear and mood? How does this affect switching? I don't know, say, genres or tempo. I mean, I, I feel like key versus... I mean, it's it's like anything else. It's like genre or tempo. Like, yeah, it can it can be a tool in stitching two different things together or something that connects two different tracks. But I wouldn't worry too much about it. Like, if if they sound good together, like who cares what key they're in? Who cares what genre they are? Who cares? You know, like if they if they sound yeah. So it's definitely information that I have. You know, like I. I find I figure out the key for every track and, and you know take that into consideration but man don't stress out too much about it that's that's my <laughs> opinion anyway <laughs> no that's that's big facts I mean I personally um and this is coming from a non-musically trained background like I'm absolutely the person who like you know played the records until the tapes popped and then you know tried to recreate what I heard uh, mm -hmm. and, and so from that perspective Everything that I've ever, you know, played, you know, in my, my, my days on, on production was by ear. Everything that I've, you know, kind of, that I've crooned out and then, you know, as a reference for somebody with a much greater voice to sing has oftentimes been just based upon what the music indicated and kind of what it told me to do and what I felt and what references I've probably drilled into my head a million times that I have no idea where they're coming from, but, you know, they're there. Um, and so I just go by that and... Yeah. I know that's blasphemy for some theorists, you know, for some theory purists or some theorists or whatever. Like, I know that's that, that's kind of blasphemy, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I look at it as, you know, there's seven notes, 12 if you can, if you, if you add the flats, you know, like we're, we only doing, it's a lot of ways to flip 12 notes, you know what I mean? And as long as the vibe is there, the feel is there, you know when, like, again, tonality, right? That's, I think that's the, the thing that people often don't talk about when they think about mixing genres and we talk about even mixing live is tonality. And it's like, if the tones aren't, like, if the tones don't feel right, you feel that. You feel that dissonance. And people sometimes try and ignore it or something, but you feel the dissonance. And if, and, and if the dissonance ain't there, then you're in a sweet spot. That's kind of how I always look at it. You know? And I, I think, to me, um, since I do play a lot of a lot of stuff with vocals in it, um, lyrics are really important to me. Mm. And I would rather, you know, I think that, especially with how, you know, especially dance music, so much of it has a, an intro or an ending or a drum break in the middle that is essentially like tuneless like it's just drums you know yep. and so key i think matters less when when you have 
you know, 16 bars of just a drum break to mm -hmm. be a kind of palate cleanser from if you're, if you're moving from one key to another, you know, you don't have to play five songs in a row in, you know, D minor. Um, to me, it's more important. It, it always like 